Hello everyone and welcome to After the Final Whistle. I am your host, Brad Clear, and today is the NXT TakeOver Brooklyn 4 and SummerSlam Predictions episode. Recording this live on Thursday morning, two days away from TakeOver, three days away from SummerSlam. I'm going to run down the card of each show, give you my predictions, previews, analysis, and all of that. So... Let's just dive right into it. So I'll start it off with the TakeOver card. And the first match I'll take a look at here is a match I'm personally looking forward to a lot. Uh, Velveteen Dream versus EC3. First off, before I get into predicting the card, how awesome was that little segment they did two weeks ago where EC3 showed up at Velveteen Dream's um, property or whatever, you know, just some public pool. And they did the whole thing where uh, EC3 pushed Velveteen Dream into the pool, kind of like what EC3 and Drew McIntyre did in TNA in a segment back in the day. But it was just awesome. Every interaction the two have had has been hilarious and really fun and really cool. Um, Velveteen Dream is my, <clears throat> is someone who I look at as just one of the biggest stars in the world. EC3 is just so funny and charismatic and witty. They're a perfect perfect match as far as this match itself I could see I could conceivably see you know I could see EC3 winning I could see Velveteen Dream winning so however overall if you really had to ask me you know I have to make a prediction here by a slight 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 margin I'm gonna say EC3 takes the victory here and I'll say that because this is EC3's first ever takeover singles match he is also being positioned with Aleister Black now out he is the number two babyface in all of NXT Velveteen Dream at this point is Teflon in terms of how wins and losses affect him now I could see Velveteen Dream getting the win because he has not won in multiple takeovers and I could see him getting the win because um, maybe EC3 is one of the post-SummerSlam call-ups. I don't think that's likely, but I think it's possible. I'm going to say EC3, though, because with Aleister Black injured, your babyface depth, Johnny Gargano's your top babyface, EC3 is your number two. His first takeover singles match against a guy who really isn't affected at all by losses and wins at this point, I think EC3 will get the win. And... I'm intrigued to see how he does in the ring. I had mentioned in my report cards episode, I had just felt in ring he was a notch below guys like Velveteen Dream, Ricochet, Aleister Black, the other top guys in NXT. So I'm interested to see how him and Velveteen Dream do in this match. Also very interested in what um, how you how Velveteen Dream makes his attire unique. You know, he does it for every show. He did the Hogan cosplay against Ricochet. Um... Maybe he tweeted a picture of Biggie Smalls. Maybe he'll do, since it's in Brooklyn, a little notorious B.I.G. Uh, incorporation to his attire. I don't know. I'm looking forward to it. Um, so I think EC3 gets the win here. I think it'll be a great, fun match. And I think, again, it's very possible Velveteen Dream could get the win here. But by a slight margin, I'm going to go with EC3. Quick aside also about takeovers as a whole. For me... TakeOver Brooklyn, every single year I come out of watching TakeOver Brooklyn, and for me, it's the most fun, enjoyable, 
awesome wrestling show every single calendar year. I said that last year um, with Rude and Drew McIntyre, with Adam Cole debuting. I said it the year before with um, Nakamura beating Samoa Joe for the title. Nakamura's entrance at that show made me scream, oh my God, because of how awesome and awe-inspiring it was. Crazy aside, on that show, you had Austin Aries wrestle No Way Jose and get attacked by Hideo Itami after. Crazy to just look at that from where all three of those guys are now and to see that that happened. But that's besides the point. The point is, this show delivers to a wild, extreme extent every single year. And I expect this year to be no different. I'm looking forward to the show. I look forward to the show just as much as I look forward to WrestleMania. Because for me, those are the two most fun, enjoyable shows I watch every single year. So I cannot wait for TakeOver Brooklyn here in two days. Let's continue on with the NXT TakeOver Brooklyn card. Um, next match I'll go to for the tag team titles, the Undisputed Era, taking on Mustache Mountain. Now, I'll preface this by saying that the match that they had on TV where the Undisputed Era regained their titles after losing them to Mustache Mountain at Royal Albert Hall, where they worked Trent Seven's leg and Tyler Bate had to throw in the towel, that, to me, is one of the best matches I have ever seen in NXT. And as far as tag team matches are concerned, may be one of the best tag matches I have ever seen, period. The emotion, the story, and everything, it was just... It was, I thought you look at that, and I think that was a literal masterpiece. You talk about wrestling as art. Mustache Mountain versus Undisputed Era from NXT TV when they regained the titles, Undisputed Era. That is art. That was a masterpiece, and that was literal art. I expect this match on Saturday to be awesome. It is going, look at the guys you have in there. Roderick Strong is one of the best in ring guys in the world going right now. Kyle O'Reilly has been on fire since he's been in NXT. Tyler Bate is an incredible in-ring guy, and Trent Seven more than holds his own. They've had two incredible title matches so far. I expect this Saturday to be no different. As far as the winner, no doubt in my mind it's the Undisputed Era. I like that Mustache Mountain was spotlighted, you know, winning the titles, getting a match on TV, and getting the TakeOver title match before they become the featured tag team in NXT UK, but Undisputed Era are retaining these titles and holding them for a good while. Um, I don't know as far as, you know, when the War Raiders are challenged them or whatever, or who will eventually unseat them. But this is the Undisputed Era's NXT. They are the top act in all of NXT. I expect that to continue until the WrestleMania takeover of next year. They're retaining the titles here. I'm sure it'll be an awesome match because every single one of these guys always delivers Undisputed Era is my prediction here in what will be potentially the best match on the entire show. Keeping along with the Undisputed Era for the NXT North American title, the first time it has been defended on a takeover since its ladder match where Adam Cole won it um, at TakeOver New Orleans. Adam Cole defending the North NXT North American title against Ricochet. I really liked when they did in the build-up to this where Ricochet's entrance hit, you know, with all the laser lights, and coming into the laser lights was the Undisputed Era holding his beaten down, almost lifeless body. I thought that was such a cool visual. Um, Adam Cole is the man. Ricochet does things that a normal human being should not be able to do. Combine the two, you're going to have a fun, crazed environment and a good, great match. Ricochet, 
again, I said this just now with um, the Undisputed Era as far as being the top act in NXT. Adam Cole's not losing this title here. I'm thinking Adam Cole retains um, maybe by some screwy manners or heelish ways. I don't know. Uh, I don't expect this to be the last of him and Ricochet's uh, encounters or beef, but I expect Adam Cole to retain the title here. I guess the few I expect the few to go on. Um, I don't know if it'll last till November for the next takeover, but I expect it to go on or for the finish of this match to allow for it to continue. Um, crazy to think too that it's been one year already since Adam Cole, Kyle O'Reilly, Bobby Fish debuted, and in that one year, they have become outside of Aleister Black the top act in all of NXT. And now that Aleister Black is hurt, I know that Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gargano basically drive the entire story and landscape of NXT. But the top act in NXT right now is the Undisputed Era. That's not changing. They're going to rely on them to a heavy extent as they have been doing. And they're not losing these titles now and not for any time soon. Adam Cole retains the title over Ricochet. Um, and it's always a treat to watch Ricochet in the ring. He wows you every time. I expect no different on Saturday. Let's go to the NXT women's title. This is a match that really, really intrigues me for reasons I'll get into in a second. Uh, Shayna Baszler defending her title against Kyrie Sane. So, I could legitimately see Kyrie Sane winning this title off of Shayna Baszler here. Last year, after TakeOver Brooklyn, there was the call-ups of Asuka. There was a call-up of Bobby Roode. There was the call-ups of Ruby, Liv, and Sarah, the Riot Squad. And then Mandy and Sonya were called up. Now, a lot of those women were performance center or house show competitors who had been there for a couple... Well, Mandy, Sonya... And Sarah were house show competitors. Mandy and Sonya had been there for a couple years at that point. Liv was a character on NXT TV, but not super featured. And Ruby Riot was a babyface on NXT TV as well. Asuka was your top woman. And Bobby Roode, was, he lost the title at TakeOver Brooklyn to Drew McIntyre. So, going along with that, Triple H talked about, in this conference call yesterday, about... Um, expecting to lose talent. Basically, the gist of it was, as long as the cupboards of NXT are not stripped bare after TakeOver Brooklyn, even if there are call-ups, he expects NXT, because that's what it does, to be able to withstand that and to move forward. That insinuates, and based off of the history of how they did call-ups last year, call-ups are most likely going to be happening after TakeOver Brooklyn. I have no doubt in my mind, if he did not get hurt, Aleister Black would have been called up after TakeOver Brooklyn. Part of me thinks that Shayna Baszler is getting called up after TakeOver Brooklyn. And I'll say this, I'll say why. Because they've set up Bianca Belair. You know, she got hurt to not be in the number one contenders match. She continuously emphasizes that she's undefeated. They've set her up to be a challenger for that title. She's positioned as a heel. Shayna Baszler is a heel. Kyrie Sane is a pure babyface. And in this feud, she has had this killer instinct that's never been a be- that she's never had or shown has come out. They already ran through Shayna Baszler wrestling Candice LeRae and had it on an NXT TV episode. You know, rather than if she was staying in NXT, saving that for a future takeover. I think Kyrie Sane is winning this title 
on Saturday. My prediction is Kyrie Sane to win the NXT Women's title. And I think Shayna Baszler gets the call up to the main roster. I think she's ready for it at this point. If you had asked me this a couple weeks ago, I would have said that Shayna would just hold it for a while. But based off of the history of call-ups, Triple H's conference call yesterday, how Bianca Belair is set up to be the next challenger, how Kyrie Sane is the ultimate babyface, and how um, they ran through the matches, or the match with her and Candice LeRae. She wrestled with Nikki Cross already. She beats Kyrie Sane. The only person left for her to wrestle is Bianca Belair. There's no babyface left for her to go against. She's defeated every single one of them. Um, and based off of how the um, May Young Classic was supposed to go, according to reports of it, supposed to be Tony Storm versus Tegan Knox in the finals, likely you can put two and two together. That would have been to crown the inaugural NXT UK Women's Champion. Now it'll be Tony Storm versus Io Shirai. There's not really any tie-in to the NXT Women's Division as far as a direct title shot. So that kind of takes away the Mayon Classic being used to find a challenger for Shayna Baszler. And Shayna Baszler already beat Tony Storm. So that's another competitor she's already beaten. I think Kyrie Sane is winning this title here. I think circumstances really are showing that Shayna is bound for the main roster here, similar to how the top woman after TakeOver Brooklyn last year, Asuka, was called up as well. I say we get a new women's champion here at TakeOver Brooklyn, the Pirate Princess Kyrie Sane becomes the new NXT Women's Champion, moves on to Bianca Belair, and Shayna Baszler gets called up to the main roster. Now, one of the things at TakeOver that always happens is you have the big-time signing um, of an independent star who's sitting in the crowd. We had it with Keith Lee a few months ago. Uh, now he's on NXT TV. He's awesome, by the way. We've had it in the past with Drew McIntyre. Um, Kota Bushi was in the crowd before. Matt Riddle, bro, the bro, Matt Riddle, he is signed to NXT and WWE, monster signing, the best independent wrestler in the world today. I expect him to be shown in the crowd on TV or on TakeOver. You know, they'll do the thing where they did it at TakeOver Philadelphia, right? Where they showed the War Raiders, they showed EC3, and they showed Ricochet in the crowd. I think Matt Riddle's being shown in the crowd here. It'll elicit an enormous reaction. Matt Riddle is a guy who has mega, mega, mega star potential. He is already so skilled in such a short time frame. My early prediction is that the main event of the WrestleMania weekend takeover, which will actually be TakeOver Brooklyn again, my early prediction on that is that Johnny Gargano and Matt Riddle for the NXT Championship will be the main event of that show. I expect Riddle to be shown in the crowd here, and we'll see where it goes from there. Speaking of Johnny Gargano, let's get into the last match on this card the main event for the NXT title, Tommaso Ciampa defending the title against Johnny Gargano in a last man standing match. Now, the way that they constructed the story coming into this show basically put Johnny Gargano in a way where even though he's incredibly likable and is a pure babyface, he's not at his most likable level right now, you know. He's kind of annoying. He cost Aleister Black the title. Um, it was set up perfectly for a three-way story and to have the triple threat at this show. It's a shame that Aleister Black got hurt. He was finally... He had not main-evented a takeover um, since fighting for the title or being the champion. New Orleans, undercard with... Or undercard, semi-main event with Andrade with Tommaso and Johnny's the main event. Chicago, 
semi-main event with Lars, with Johnny and Tommaso as the main event. This was his main event, his big send-off before the main roster. And now, maybe they work it into a story that he got attacked and he stays in NXT longer whenever he does come back. I don't know. So I feel very, very bad for Aleister Black here. With that being said, the last man standing stipulation here, they did not, they won. Number one, they did not want to blow through a typical uh, Gargano Champa match, so they added the stipulation. Two, they don't want Gargano to have a clean loss. This feud is going to continue. They have to find a way to allow it to be prolonged without people getting annoyed by it or tired of it. It was perfect to insert black because that was going to allow you to put off a one-on-one match between Gargano and Champa for a couple months at minimum. So, they gave it the stipulation. That stipulation allows for Gargano to not be pinned. It allows for Champa to do something heelish and dastardly to beat Gargano. And it's really a feud continuer. Um, Champa's not losing this title right now. He just won it, one, so there's not enough buildup and angst around Gargano finally winning it. And two, as I mentioned earlier, Gargano is not at his most likable level right now. So, it is not the time for him to become champion. He's not going to become champion this quickly. I think the initial thought was that you'd have Black get pinned by Champa after Gargano was about to beat him, thus allowing you to go to November's pay-per-view, or November's takeover, um, War Games, and there you could have had the big moment in the cage where Gargano beat Champa for the title. Now, I think you do a last man standing where Champa wins either an extremely violent way or an extremely dastardly way. And Gargano is able to go away for a couple weeks, make his big return, and then you get that big match in November where Gargano finally wins the title. I say Champo retains here. I'm very intrigued to see how they do it because they're going to make it so that Johnny Gargano stays as strong as possible in defeat. They specifically made this stipulation so that Gargano did not get pinned. Um, I just really hope that they're able to keep the flames of this feud burning and not have it be tired out so by the time that Gargano does win, people like it but aren't as crazy about it as they would have been at other times. It's a tight rope. Now that um, Black is hurt to kind of walk and make sure that the feud lasts and has um, the ability to sustain and has legs to it. But I think they'll be able to do it. I think they can't take it past the November takeover, but they really, after Champa beats Gargano in Brooklyn, have to make Gargano as sympathetic as possible. None of this annoying, I'm the reason he's champion. None of this annoying, I must stop him at all costs. He has to become as sympathetic and likable as possible. So when he wins that title, the maximum effect of people just going nuts and happy and joy and getting that really true, just happy moment of Gargano winning, you get that maximum effect of it. But nonetheless, here at Brooklyn, Champa, I think, retains his title over Johnny Gargano. And those are my predictions for TakeOver Brooklyn 4. Switching gears now, we are going to head over to the SummerSlam card. Um, huge card here. Um... 13 matches, three on the kickoff show. I'll start with the kickoff show, go match by match by match. Give you my predictions, previews, and analysis. Let's dive right into it. So one thing that sticks out to me about SummerSlam that I kind of wanted to mention before I got into the specific matches, look at the incredible amount of talent that was not able to get onto the card at SummerSlam this year. 
showing you just how incredibly deep and how incredibly talented WWE's roster is right now. It's absurd. Look at Raw. Sasha and Bayley, not on the card. Nia Jax, she won a title at WrestleMania. Has not been on TV in weeks and is not on the card. Look at SmackDown. Asuka had an unbelievable match with Charlotte at WrestleMania. Lost her streak. Was in a title feud for most of the summer. Not on the card. Hasn't been on TV in a few weeks. Naomi has not been on TV in a very long time. Not on the card. Look at the SmackDown tag division. The Usos, not on the card. The Bar, not on the card. I don't want to say Randy Orton because I'm sure he'll get involved with Nakamura and Jeff Hardy. But the point is here, this is not complaining or anything. It's just emphasizing just how deep the talent roster is right now. And just the abundance of options they have. Showing that you have these unbelievable talents who couldn't even get on the card. And you still have an incredibly deep 13-match card. It's unbelievable just how good their roster is right now. In my mind, maybe not in terms of star power, but in terms of overall talent, taking main roster, NXT, performance center, whatever you want to do, taking it all into account, this is by far, it's not even close, the best talent roster WWE has ever had. Again, not necessarily in terms of star power, but in terms of overall level of talent, skill, and ability, no question, this is the best roster they have ever had. So with that being said, the first match on the kickoff show, the B-team, 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 go, 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 defending the Raw Tag Team titles against the Revival. Um, oh, that's another team I didn't mention. Matt Hardy and Bray Wyatt, also not on the card. Um, the B-team are retaining here. You know, the B-team have something special and fun about them. You know, they're a little goofy. They're pretty funny. They're kind of likable. I think they got a good thing going right now. Um, I think they're retaining these titles here, no question. Um, it's nice to see that these guys who are really just nothings on the roster till they were paired up with The Miz were then able to take that opportunity and become a really fun, entertaining, and enjoyable tag team that has a title reign right now and is on the SummerSlam card. That's really awesome. It's a testament to how talented Bo and Axel are and just how really they've taken this opportunity head-on and really thrived with it. As far as the match itself, look, the Revival are unbelievable in the ring. The B-team are good as well. The B-team are going to retain their titles here in my mind. That is my prediction here. Um, I kind of like the babyface-ish route that's being taken with the B-team because I think you know, they're funny and they're just likable. So, why not? B-team retain here should be a really fun match. Um, really enjoy seeing the B-team every single time that they are on TV. The next match, the Cruiserweight title. Cedric Alexander defending the title against Philadelphia Zone. Shout out. Drew Gulak. Now, this will be a good match, no doubt. Cedric is unbelievable in the ring and Drew Gulak is the same. I just feel that based off of the talent roster available to them, if you're going to have one 205 live match, make a pay-per-view this summer, Cedric and Drew would not be the matchup I would particularly make. or I, That's not the matchup I would want to be on that card or put on that card. I said this before WrestleMania, that Mustafa Ali should have become the Cruiserweight Champion instead of Cedric Alexander. Cedric is great in the ring. I'm not saying he's not. But he's bland. 
and generic, and there's nothing to him. Mustafa Ali gets crowds invested in him, has a story about him, has a legitimately interesting sort of, there's a lot to him as far as him as a person. He gets people to emotionally invest in him. He's very good at taking crowds that don't give a crap about him at the beginning of the match, and they're going nuts for him by the end. Not saying Cedric can't, but he doesn't do that to the level Ali does. And on the heel side, as great as Drew Gulak is, there's no heel in NXT right or in 205 Live right now who's hotter than Buddy Murphy. So I, maybe selfishly, I would have liked to have, I would have preferred it to be Mustafa Ali versus Buddy Murphy. It'll still be a good match. I just think Ali is more is the biggest star on that roster. I think Murphy's number two. I think Cedric. I think you could see this coming around WrestleMania, and it's true now. He's just a charisma void. I don't want to be harsh, but that's just the truth. As far as the match itself, I think Cedric retains here, and it will be a great match. As I mentioned, two elite in-ring performers. It's just, I think there would have been better options. If you had, if you knew you were getting one 205 Live match the whole summer on pay-per-view at SummerSlam, I think you would have had to include Ali in it, and I would have preferred to have Murphy in it than Gulak. But that's just me. Either way, Cedric Alexander retains the Cruiserweight title over Drew Gulak on the kickoff show. That is my prediction. Heading over to SmackDown Live, Rusev and Lana taking on Andrade, Cien Almas, and Zelina Vega. I think Zelina and Andrade will get the win because of Aiden English costing uh, Rusev and Lana the match inadvertently. Um, Zelina Vega is really a star. I think making now that she's more than just a manager and she's wrestling in there as well, she has just been absolutely fantastic since they've gotten onto SmackDown Live. Andrade is Andrade. No explanation needed for how incredibly good and talented he is. And then there's Rusev and Lana. Rusev, who is just so beyond likable and so awesome. And Lana, who has really, really improved and who people legitimately like. They're continuing to tell this story with Rusev and Lana and Aiden English not being good for them and continuously getting in their way and all that. No doubt in my mind that continues at SummerSlam. Andrade and Zelina, in my prediction, pick up the win as a result of Aiden English inadvertently costing Rusev and Lana the match. Happy Rusev Day, by the way. All right, let's head over to the main card here. And we'll start it off from Monday Night Raw. Finn Balor taking on the Constable, Baron Corbin. Enormous, enormous fan of the Constable and Finn Balor as well. How can you not be? Uh, I'm taking Finn Balor in this match. You know, Corbin beat him in their one-on-one match on Raw. Consistently has gotten a lot over him week to week to week. Um... And just getting Finn Balor that nice babyface win on the SummerSlam stage like he did last year over Bray Wyatt. Wow, seems like ages ago. Um, I think he'll get the win. I don't think it gets said enough just how awesome the Constable gimmick has been for Baron Corbin, how it has rejuvenated his entire career. Um, And then Finn is Finn. Finn's always going to be awesome and extremely likable and just super cool. That's never going to change. I think they'll have a good match at SummerSlam, and I expect Finn to get the win. Moving on from there, let's go. Let's get a big match in here. Let's go to SmackDown Live. Daniel Bryan versus The Miz. A match years in the making, a match we've all been clamoring for. So, Daniel Bryan's contract with WWE, let's check the date here. Today is August 16th. 
So in 16 days, Daniel Bryan's contract with WWE ends. Now, I fully, 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 fully expect him to resign. However, he has not done so yet. So, you get this big match with The Miz in before he potentially does not resign. Again, no reason that he shouldn't resign. I don't think he won't resign, but it's just saying it as a possibility. Now, I say that The Miz is going to win this match. And I say that because, one, in the very likely event that Daniel Bryan resigns and stays, you're going to want this feud with The Miz to be more than one match. With how much people clamored for it and how much people were looking forward to it, this is a feud that you could let have multiple matches. Hell in a Cell is coming up uh, in a month or t- in a month or so. How can you not have the two of them fight inside Hell in a Cell? And in the off chance that Brian does not resign and leaves, then the Miz beat Daniel Bryan and kicked him out of WWE. Again, I don't expect him to leave, but that's the route you can take. Either way, I think the Miz is winning this match. Because it allows you to get multiple matches out of this feud because Miz got the initial win and Brian is angered and sensed and the feud can really heat up and intensify until Brian finally defeats the Miz. You have Hell in a Cell coming up on the calendar. It's just the perfect storm for the Miz to get the win here. The atmosphere and environment for this match is going to be electric. I can't wait to see it. Um, and you know both guys are just going to bring it, absolutely bring it in this match. I say Miz gets the win, again, for the two aforementioned reasons. I expect this to be a barn burner of a match. Um, and personally, me, tons of other fans out there, this has been perhaps the most anticipated match on this card as a result of the injury, their feuds in the past, everything that it encapsulates Brian and Miz. This makes, that makes this match just highly, highly anticipated and everyone anxious to see. By the way, That three-part video package that they did on SmackDown, highlighting the history of Brian and Miz, excellent. Absolutely excellent. Can't wait for this match. I say The Miz gets the win for the two reasons I mentioned. Let's move keeping along with SmackDown Live. The United States title, Shinsuke Nakamura defending the title against Jeff Hardy. Nakamura is retaining the title here. No question about it. Um... Orton will come out, I fully expect, with how he has really just been absolutely on fire and electric as this psycho, sick heel, hell-bent on destroying Jeff Hardy. I expect him to come out and destroy Jeff Hardy, either before, after, or during the match. Nakamura's keeping the title here, no doubt in my mind. Um, Looking just aside here, with the SmackDown roster, I love Jeff Hardy. He's awesome. He's incredibly likable. He's just so cool. And the majority of every single crowd will feel the same way. This guy is so beat up. And at this stage in his career to be relied on as the number three babyface on SmackDown to have singles matches week in and week out, you're kind of doing a disservice to him. That's the position he's in right now, but he's just clearly banged up. And there's so many heels on the roster. He has to be in that high-level position. I just think at this point in his career, as far as longevity and health are concerned, he's just, you you really got to just try to hide him and preserve him in a tag team. 
um, just for longevity's sake because if you're going to have him wrestling singles matches every single week, being the number three guy on SmackDown, you know, maybe Rusev will step into that slot as number three babyface. Right now he's number four. If you're going to have Hardy wrestling singles matches week in and week out, how much are you really going to get out of Jeff Hardy? You're not going to get very long out of him. His body can't handle it at this stage on the WWE schedule. It just can't happen. Either way, Orton will get involved and destroy Jeff Hardy. I think Nakamura retains his title over Hardy in this match. Let's keep it with SmackDown Live again. Triple threat for the women's title on SmackDown Live. Carmella defending the title against Charlotte and Becky. Now, of course, Charlotte was added to this match. You know, it gets her on the card. She's the biggest women's star in the entire company besides Ronda Rousey. Um, and I, I just felt that it was Becky's time to get that one-on-one title win. I think many people did. But, obviously, Charlotte has to get on the card. Can't fault it. So what better way to put her in than a triple threat with Carmella and Becky, adding the incredible story of Carmella and Becky as the two best friends. There's obvious tension there. Becky obviously wanted the one-on-one title match. Charlotte obviously thinks and knows that she's better. There are three routes that can be taken with this match. One, Charlotte and Becky have infighting between them over who beats Carmella. Carmella sneaks out with the title as a result. Two, Charlotte wins the title. Becky gets furious that Charlotte came back and stole her opportunity, and they feud. Three, Becky wins and Charlotte turns, thinking that, you know, this was her opportunity. Becky got the title, but Charlotte's always been better than Becky, and Becky knows it along that line. I don't see, you know, there's the heavily rumored coming of the women's tag titles. I don't see Charlotte and Becky being in a situation where this is going to end with them being in a tag team facing Sasha and Bailey for those titles at Evolution. I see this being the beginnings of a feud. I don't see this becoming the beginnings of they both lose that in their chance to get the title, but then they align as a tag team, and then Carmella moves on to, at this point, the only one left for her to face on SmackDown is Naomi. Look at the SmackDown Live women's roster, right? There is no singles heel outside of Carmella. She's the only singles heel. There's Carmella, and then there's the Iconics, and there's Mandy and Sonya. Now, could Mandy handle a role like that? At this point, I think she could. Sonya, maybe. Peyton, yes. Billy, no. The Iconics would never be given that chance anyway at this point, based off of how they've been presented. The point is, it's two tag team heels, one singles heel. You look at that babyface side. Charlotte, Becky, Asuka, Naomi. That's four top baby faces on that in that division on that women's roster. If Carmella is not the champ and is away from the title picture, you need one of those four to go heel. I think the long-term play here is obviously Charlotte versus Ronda Rousey at WrestleMania next year. I think as a result, you keep that in mind, you keep in mind how nuts the crowds are going for Becky and have been all summer and how really that's how it got how she got taken note of because she'd really been doing nothing with no storyline for a year at this point. I think Becky is winning the title here at SummerSlam, and I think it's going to lead to Charlotte going heel. Now, could it could very well be the, rever- the, be the reverse. Words are hard. It could be the reverse very well, with Charlotte winning and Becky getting frustrated and going heel. I don't expect that to be the case. 
Charlotte's going to need to go heel for Ronda Rousey anyway. I mean, you could do the big babyface versus babyface matchup, but to give that feud really the most substance you can, I think Charlotte goes heel anyway. And Becky got in this spot because of how crowds were taking note of her and going nuts for her over the summer in the women's Money in the Bank ladder match and all of her matches on TV. I think Becky wins the title here. I think Charlotte gets mad about it. Maybe she just thinks she's better than Becky. No, she's better. They have a match at Evolution. Becky beats her again. And then from there, she goes heel. Allows you to go forward with her winning the Royal Rumble and challenging Ronda Rousey because she believes that she is the best. Ronda Rousey is the top babyface. Charlotte's the top heel. Those are your top two women in the entire women's division. That's your main event of WrestleMania next year. I think you can kick all that off right here by having Becky win the title. Now, it would not shock me if Charlotte won because going into Evolution, the big women's pay-per-view, of course you're going to have Ronda be the champion on Raw because she's the top woman in the whole company, but it wouldn't surprise you at all if Ronda and Charlotte are the two women walking into that show with the titles, the top two women in the entire company. It wouldn't surprise me one bit. I just think that Becky's winning the title here because the long-term play is to have Charlotte go heel for Ronda Rousey. I could be totally wrong, and it could be the inverse, or be the reverse, where Charlotte wins, Becky goes heel, and Charlotte is the champ going into Evolution. But I say Becky becomes the new SmackDown Women's Champion here at SummerSlam, kicking off the seeds of Charlotte turning on her for that feud to, to uh, for that feud between the two of them to happen. Becky Lynch becomes your new SmackDown Women's Champion at SummerSlam. Let's go to Monday Night Raw. The best part of the whole week here. The return of Dean Ambrose. Dino, the man. Um, so, 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 so happy to see Ambrose back. The guy is just awesome. He is beloved. How cool was it, if you watch the clip back, he hit that Dirty Deeds on Drew McIntyre. The entire crowd yelled Dirty Deeds as he hit it. This is a guy who is genuinely beloved. People love Dean Ambrose and how he looks. The man looks like he's been eating six cows a day every single day for eight months. He is shredded. The new hair, where he has it buzzed and the thicker beard, he looks like he got straight out of prison. And with the new shirt saying return to society, everything about the presentation of his return, how he looks, the merch, it is all perfect. Now, I think he's turning on Seth Rollins here at SummerSlam. You have the option of allowing them to be babyfaces together for a while, and then Dean can turn on Seth. But I think Dean's going heel here. I think he's going to cost Rollins the title. And then Ziggler will retain. You know, he comes in to even the odds against Drew McIntyre, and Rollins thinks he's got it in the bag, and then Dean turns on him. And you look at how Dean looks coming back. That is the look of a psycho-deranged heel. I love Dean Ambrose as a babyface. He is awesome. He is probably, outside of Daniel Bryan, the most likable, just get-behind-him, blue-collar babyface there is. However, look at Monday Night Raw. Roman Reigns is in his Roman Reigns spot. He's not babyface nor heel. He's Roman Reigns. But there's Braun Strowman, there's Seth Rollins, and there's Finn Balor. Three elite babyfaces at the top of that card. Now, Bobby Lashley is there as well. Um, 
A lot of effort being made for him as a babyface. The crowds are into him more. So he's a babyface too. So that's four guys right there. And then if Roman's positioned as a babyface, that's five. Now, there's a large quantity of heels. There's Kevin Owens. There's Elias. There's Jinder Mahal. Dean Ambrose would be the top heel on Monday Night Raw immediately. He goes heel. You have a blood feud with him and Seth Rollins. You can incorporate Roman Reigns into it. Dean going up against Finn. Dean going up against Bobby Lashley. You know, I'm not clamoring for that, but I think it just gives you options. I think Dean is turning on Rollins here, kickstarting a blood feud between the two. Ziggler, as a result, will retain the Intercontinental Championship. And then it remains to see where Dolph goes from there. Maybe Finn Balor. Maybe Bobby Lashley. Lots of options. Um, But I think Dean turns on Seth, costing him the match. And Ziggler retains the Intercontinental Championship. Keeping along with Monday Night Raw, we got Braun Strowman, Monster in the Bank, defending that Money in the Bank briefcase against Kevin Owens. Now, I outlined my beliefs on this match on my Twitter, at BradClear, K-L-I-E-R underscore, I think Kevin Owens is going to get the Money in the Bank briefcase in this match. And I think this kind of ties into my predictions for the Roman Reigns match later. But if you have Roman Reigns as the champion, who you're trying to basically make the conquering top babyface at this point, people love, 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 love Braun Strowman. He is beloved. People would be clamoring. For him to cash in on Roman Reigns, the second Roman Reigns wins that title, they are not going to want Roman Reigns' entire title reign to be marred by crowds clamoring for Braun to cash in on him. Kevin Owens is the perfect opponent for Roman Reigns. You know, people like him, obviously, but he's a pure heel. The two of them have great matches. He's the perfect first feud or long-term feud for Roman as champion. There was an advertisement leaked saying Roman Reigns would be facing Kevin Owens at Hell in a Cell. If Dean is uh, focused on Seth Rollins, the top heel on Raw outside of Dean is Kevin Owens. The way the match is set up that if Braun loses in any way, Owens becomes Mr. Money in the Bank, Braun could be going to shoulder block him through the barricade, and he could miss, and Owens could bury him under all the rubble, or rubble, you know, the chairs, the barricade walls, whatever. And Braun could not make the 10 count. He could tie Braun's legs to a post or something. He could, um, you know, just beat a 10 count while the two of them are brawling on the outside. He can win in a fluke way, in a super cheap heel way, and become Mr. Money in the Bank. That way, Braun loses nothing. Owens outsmarts him after Braun has literally destroyed and brutalized him for months. I think Owens has taken it. I think as far as Roman as the champ, I think as far as how Braun has gotten stuff over on him for so long, and I think as far as just an easy, cheap, fluke way for him to just barely beat Braun, you know, burying him under the rubble, tying him to a post or something so that Braun just can't move. You know, a super cheap way. The stipulation of this match allows that to happen. I think Kevin Owens is going to become the Mr. Money in the Bank 
as a result of beating Braun Strowman in a fluky manner in this match. Kevin Owens is my prediction for this match. Let's move to SmackDown Live. The Bludgeon Bludgeon Brothers defending the SmackDown Tag Team Championships against the New Day. Now, I was expecting the bar to get this title match, but the New Day is awesome. No complaints here. Um, now, part of me just wants to say that the Bludgeon Brothers will run through the New Day as they have everyone else. They've beaten the Usos. They've already beaten the New Day. They beat Gallows and Anderson. It's the only people left for them to face on SmackDown are the bar and Sanity. Now, they've already beaten the New Day. They've had this run of just absolute destruction since WrestleMania. Part of me thinks that the New Day are going to win the titles here. But then the other part of me thinks that the Bludgeon Brothers will just continue to dominate and retain the titles. However, if that's the route you take, as I mentioned, you have very limited options for who can eventually unseat them. Because the Usos already beaten, the New Day would have been beaten twice. You would have had no babyface tag teams left to beat the Bludgeon Brothers unless you made the bar babyfaces, which you usually could. But I'm going to say that the New Day become the new champions here. And I'm not super confident in that prediction, but I'm going out on the limb there, and I'm going to say that the New Day become the tag team champions here. The five-time, 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 five-time Tag team champions. I think the New Day get the predict or get the win here. That's my prediction. I just think it gives the New Day this big, awesome babyface moment at SummerSlam. Um, it kind of reinvigorates the tag division a little bit because, as awesome as the Bludger Brothers are, you can only have two guys literally destroying and dominating everyone for so long. Um, and Again, there's just options left after they would beat the New Day. Your two big-time babyface teams on SmackDown, the New Day and the Usos, would have both been beaten, in the New Day's case, twice. I think the New Day become the new tag team champions over on SmackDown Live and beat the Bludgeon Brothers in this match. Let's keep it going with SmackDown Live. The WWE Championship, AJ Styles defending the title against Samoa Joe. Now, I don't like the route that they took in building up the feud as far as making it about AJ being a bad family man or whatever. I think there was enough history between them to make it simply a battle of Joe always thinking he was better than AJ and he's going to prove it at SummerSlam. Um, I don't think this is the only match of this feud. I talked about the leaked uh, Hell in a Cell advertisement which showed um, Owens and Roman as a match. It also showed Samoa Joe and AJ Styles as a match. Now, you can get there as far as, you know, maybe a screwy finish where there's no definitive winner. You can get there with Styles winning and then Joe attacking him again. Lots of options. Now, a thing I factor into this is the fact that AJ Styles has been champion for nine months. He's the longest reigning SmackDown champion of all time. You have the ability here. In my mind, AJ Styles is either going to be champion or in the title picture all the way until WrestleMania of next year. You have the chance here, if he holds the title until WrestleMania of next year, 
that's a longer title reign than CM Punk. That's almost as long of a title reign. Actually, no, it would exceed the title reign. Uh, it would be around the same days. I don't know if it would exceed it exactly. It would exceed CM Punk and would be very, very close to the amount of days that Brock Lesnar has been Universal Champion. You'd be able to set the two records as far as modern era title reigns. You would have had with Brock Lesnar as Universal Champion and then AJ Styles as WWE Champion. The longest title reign for the WWE Championship in the modern era. You have the ability to do that with AJ Styles. He is also the cover star for WWE 2K19. Comes out in early October. Wouldn't you want him to do all the media and press for that as the champion? Now, you have the option of having Joe win at SummerSlam, and then Styles can beat him for it at Hell in a Cell. But personally, if you have the chance to make him the longest reigning one of the longest reigning champions ever, and can have him be the champ going all the way into WWE 2K19, I don't see them passing that opportunity up. They can keep this feud going in multiple ways as far as a you know, maybe a DQ finish, a double countout, screwy way that it ends, Styles winning and Joe attacking him. No doubt in my mind, this feud continues after this match. But I believe that Styles will remain the WWE champion and retain his title. Um, how, Just how crazy is it that this match is the WWE championship match at SummerSlam? You know, these two guys, the stalwarts of TNA for so long, you know, you look at great matches in TNA history, you point to the triple threat between Styles, Joe, and Christopher Daniels. And now two-thirds of that is the WWE Championship match at SummerSlam. It's crazy. Either way, I say Styles remains champion in a manner that allows the feud to continue past this match at SummerSlam. Moving to Monday Night Raw for the last two matches on the card here, Alexa Bliss versus Ronda Rousey. This is the foregone conclusion of foregone conclusions. And there's nothing wrong with it. Ronda Rousey is awesome. Um, Ronda Rousey is going to become the Raw Women's Champion here. And I don't think it will. But as far as crowd reaction and reception, I think there's a strong case to be made that this should be the main event of SummerSlam as opposed to Roman and Brock. It won't be, but it has a case to be. Um, Again, there is no perfect, no more perfect opponent than Alexa Bliss to see Ronda Rousey want to just get her hands on and destroy. The whiny, conniving, evil, um, plotting heel who takes every way out and you just want to see her get destroyed in Alexa Bliss and the ultimate um, just destroyer mixed martial artist who can just beat the crap out of anyone and if she looks at you and wants to get at you you know you are screwed in ronda rousey perfect storm they did a perfect job in calling an audible having alexa bliss become the champion have ronda rousey chase her the culmination of all that comes here ronda rousey becomes the new raw women's champion here at SummerSlam. and now let's move to the main event the most anticipated for different reasons, an anticipated match. Brock Lesnar defending the Universal title against Roman Reigns. Now, I am a Roman Reigns stan. I understand you don't have to like him, but if you legitimately do not believe that he is not one of the best in the world and you legitimately think that he is not good, you're in denial, you got blinders on, 
You got to get that through your head. Roman Reigns is really, really, really good. Again, you don't have to like him. You don't have to like how he's presented, but he's really good. Brock Lesnar, as the Universal Champion, look, we all know we want it to end. I think there's better uses of Brock Lesnar, and I think it's a poor use of the Universal Championship. I think this is a widely agreed upon uh, conception and idea and opinion. Now, as far as this match goes, Roman Reigns has to win the Universal title here, or else, you know, we talked about at WrestleMania, people thought he was dead when he lost the title then. He can win the title here and he'll be fine. When he lost that title at WrestleMania, in the back of my mind, I had thought that the long that the play was just going to be that Roman would just win at SummerSlam. I have not changed my mind on that. If somehow Brock Lesnar leaves SummerSlam as the Universal Champion, or if he beats Roman just decisively and then gets cashed in on, you know, if my prediction is wrong and Braun cashes in on him, I mean, it would be awesome. Or if um, Roman wins and then is attacked by Brock so that Kevin Owens cashes in on him. If, there, if Roman Reigns does not win this match 1-2-3 and leave the show as champion, he is just a joke. Nothing more to it. I really didn't understand at the time why the Money in the Bank briefcase was brought to Raw. I still don't understand it because I don't think there's any route that should be taken where Roman Reigns is not the Universal Champion from this Sunday all the way until next WrestleMania um, in April of 2019. I think Roman Reigns wins the Universal Championship 1-2-3. I don't think there's any cash in. I think he just wins it, finally gets his moment, moves into a feud with the new Mr. Money in the Bank, Kevin Owens. Now, the crowd is going to murder this match. That's a known fact. They're going to absolutely kill this match. They're not going to have any desire to get invested in the match. They're going to go into it and chant over it, chant you both suck, whatever, all that. You know what's going to happen. They did it at WrestleMania. It's going to happen at SummerSlam. No doubt in my mind. At this point, you gotta just put up or shut up with Roman Reigns. Just have him win the title, move forward with him just being the top guy's champ who just says, look, I'm the best, I know I'm the best, I don't care who you are, you want to step to me and fight me for this title, take your best shot. The best use of Roman Reigns is as the top guy, just destroyer, who knows that he can go against anyone, willing to take on all challengers, has a bit of a cocky attitude to him. That's how it's got to be done. Will it be done that way? I don't know. But all I know is ever since Brock Lesnar beat Roman Reigns at at WrestleMania, this was the endgame. Roman Reigns winning the Universal title at SummerSlam. Now, there is the report that Lesnar has a meeting with WWE Brass, i.e. Vince Triple H, before SummerSlam. Look, If they're paying him the money, he doesn't care if he's champion or not. I don't put stock into this where people think, oh, Brock Lesnar is going to hold out and make sure that he retains the title and re-signs and blah, blah, blah. Brock Lesnar's a businessman. He doesn't care about championships. He cares about making money. WWE has shown a willingness to go and cave to Brock Lesnar's demands at every turn. 
Should they? That's a different story. But they've shown that they are willing to do that, have done so, and will continue to do so. If they are continuing to pay Brock Lesnar six figures per appearance, it does not matter to him if he is the champion. Now, the whole talk about him leaving for the UFC, I think he will fight in UFC. No question. But I've said all along, once WWE let him fight in UFC 200, the whole idea of him leaving WWE completely for UFC went out the window. There is no reason he can't do both. He would only fight at most two times a year in UFC. WWE, he can get WrestleMania, he can get SummerSlam, Survivor Series, house shows here and there, the Royal Rumble. He's not abandoning that payday to fight two times a year in UFC. He can do both. Brock has Dana White and Vince McMahon by the throat. I think the way this ends up, I think Roman Reigns wins the title. 1-2-3 at SummerSlam. I think Brock goes off until he fights in UFC, and then we'll come back for a match at WrestleMania. That's the way I see it going down. But all along, I have thought Roman Reigns is winning the title here at SummerSlam. I still believe that. I think Roman Reigns walks out of SummerSlam as the new Universal Champion. And those are my predictions for NXT TakeOver Brooklyn 4 and SummerSlam. This is After the Final Whistle. Again, I am your host, Brad Clear. Follow me on Twitter at Brad Clear, spelled K-L-I-E-R underscore. Um, Keep checking here on podcast.com for new episodes. Shout out to you, the listener. Shout out to NXT. Shout out to SummerSlam. Shout out to TakeOver Brooklyn. And as always... Signing off, Brad Clear here on After the Final Whistle. Goodbye and good night.